All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Free Bowling Football Podcast. Uh, it's the first one we're doing. Uh, we had a couple of technical difficulties last week, so we weren't able to release that one. Uh, but we promised to bring you the hottest of takes, uh, absolutely minimal analysis, uh, and hopefully a lot of fun for you guys. Um, we're joined by three of my good friends. Uh, one of which is a stand-in for our other good friend that's, that will be the uh, the normal person on the podcast, but it's his birthday today, uh, and his girlfriend is taking him out to dinner, so he wasn't able to join us. Uh, but really, what Sexy we're... time. <laughs> Bill, I'm, Bill, I'm really Loser. impressed that you have at least four good friends. That, that's pretty special, man. You know, and, that, and that's totally fair. Uh, but, you know, since this is the first one, uh, just to give you guys a little bit of an understanding around what we're trying to do, uh, just trying to have a good time. We're going to recap weeks from the week before. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of preview for some games uh, in the upcoming week, uh, and sprinkle in a little bit of fantasy betting uh, and suicide pool analysis and picks for you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Podcast. And you can email questions or tell us what assholes we're being by emailing uh, freeballinfootball at gmail.com. Is that ballin' I-N or ballin' I-N-G for, for the people at home? Oh, no. No, no G. No G. You hang the G. Hang. So it's freeballinfootball at gmail.com. And it's ballin podcast on Twitter. Uh, and without further ado, uh, I'll give it over to the guys to uh, introduce themselves. We got three special, special people. Uh, we have Adam, who is the stand-in for Nick. Uh, Nick will be your moderator on most weeks, uh, but Adam's standing in this week. And then we have Tim, and we have Josh. Uh, and I'll throw over to Adam real quick to uh, briefly introduce himself. Yeah, hi, everybody. I'm the... Uh... I'm the extra. Uh, my name's Adam. I am. I'm a lot taller than Nick, the moderator. Um, not nearly as Italian. Um, my hair is not nearly as good. And uh, my takes, I think they're they're about medium uh, compared to his. I think he's pretty pretty neutral in many cases, unless it's the Browns. Um, I'm similar, maybe a little bit vanilla. Certainly won't yell at you the way some of these other fools will. All right, and Tim, let's throw it your way. What's up, guys? This is Tim. Uh, I am not a football fan. Well, I'm a football fan, but I'm not a fan of any team in particular. Uh, I seem to like rooting against whatever city I'm living in. So the time I was living in D.C., hated that organization. Now I live in Philly, which is even better because uh, I get to listen to all the hot takes on Sports Talk Radio and laugh. You can still root against both teams, though. Oh, Absolutely. I just want the whole NFC East to basically die in a fire. <laughs> what, what, Tim's not telling you, what Tim's not telling you is he's supposed to be, by birthright, a Buffalo Bills fan as an upstate New York liver. Like, like you, right, Adam? I, I can't help but notice that you, you failed to mention that you are, in fact, a Buffalo Bills fan. I thought we were burying the lead on that one since, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just helping out here, right? We don't need to make it all about how much we suck, so... Sure. Well, I, I thought I thought we I thought you might just not have been able to hear it over the paper bag that's I'm sure on your head right now. All right, enough about that. My name's Josh. I'm coming to you live from the saddest football city in America, and that of course is Chicago, Illinois. 
thankfully I am not a Bears fan. I am a Ravens fan. Uh, out here in, in this loser football town, um, trying to teach them a thing or two about what it's like to win games. All right, good stuff. And cover up double homicides. <laughs> Triple or didn't count. All right, well, that, on that note, uh, I'm Bill. I'm originally from outside of Philadelphia, so I'm a huge Eagles fan. Uh, and How's that going for you? I mean, it's going great. You know, we'll, we'll get into to how I'm feeling. Uh, but I guess... Spoiler alert, full mast. Oh, definitely full mast. Uh, but before we get into the Eagles, uh, let's let's hop into some of these games from week two. Uh, and I guess we'll we'll kick it off, uh, Josh, for you with Baltimore defeating Cleveland. Yeah, Sorry, and, and defeat is defeat's an interesting word for it. Um, it's a weird feeling to be down twenty to nothing in the first quarter and not worry at all. Um, had some freak plays. Corey Coleman got in the end zone. Thanks to the referee assist, some bonehead tackling on Crowell's long run and, uh, a, a bad Joe Flacco pick setting up, uh, the third touchdown, but going to kick that third extra point blocked returned 20 to two. And, and the malaise just kind of fell over the stadium progressively from there chipped our way back a couple Mike Wallace touchdowns and, and got the win. Thanks to probably one of the worst taunting calls I've ever seen. Uh, nice to be on the other side of one of those calls for once. Um, so at the end of the day, pretty ugly win, but last year we were 0 two this year. We're two, we're two and zero. So I'm not really going to complain one way or the other. Anybody else want to hop in on this game uh, and get and give some, Give some feedback for Perlman. You mean you guys weren't watching the the third and fourth teams from last year in the AFC North play? No, oddly enough, and you and, so you, well, and quite so honestly, well, you turned me off by continuing to bitch as Baltimore fans do about how you never get calls your way. Just shut the fuck up. Uh, I'm coming I, I from watched, the Philly guy. <laughs> I watched the first. I watched the first half of this game and. So last week, week one, right? This is the Bills fan talking here. Week one, I'm texting, I'm texting Josh, right, on the side when the Bills are playing the the Ravens, and I'm saying, "Wow, these Ravens, man, they look fantastic, right?" Because this is me walking in thinking, "Hey, the Bills are going to be all right." I was watching the the Browns beating the Ravens that first half and thinking to myself, "Holy shit, right? Like the Bills are the worst team in the league, right? Like we." We, we have to be because the, the Ravens looked, you know, they looked now, I guess, a week and a half in, right? One full game and then a half a game. They looked uh, just not crisp uh, and then got some breaks, obviously, like Josh said. Um, but I don't think, I don't think they, uh, they've really figured out what their identity is going to be quite yet. And I, I think they'll be pretty good once they do their defense, you know, with, with Suggs back in there and, and the pieces back in place. Like they, they can be, they can be pretty great. The Browns again, just the Browns and just a bad football team to watch play football ever. At least LeBron won something for Cleveland. That's the only good thing happening there this year. 
I will say this. They have an interesting little receiving group going with uh, Coleman Pryor and then potentially Josh Gordon when he gets back with Gary Barnage in there at tight end. They can do some things, and it's kind of a shame that, that Josh McCown got knocked out for the next few weeks because I think he's the best type of quarterback for that offense. Guy who can sit back in the pocket, make a couple reads, and huck it downfield. But now it's uh, a guy who, who didn't really win too much at USC, and it's, what, their fifth starting quarterback in their last five games? So, yeehaw. Yeah, I mean, the, the factory of sadness continues on that. Um, and I know we're, we'll get to a segment a little bit later uh, because Josh had the privilege of being at that game in Cleveland, and we'll get his a uh, little bit more detailed analysis of what it's like on the ground in Cleveland watching uh, the, factory, the factory of sadness in action. Um, all right, so we're going to turn over to the Eagles defeating the Bears on Monday night. Uh, I'll be honest, I think that I really came in thinking that Wentz was going to have a down game, and he kind of did, he kind of didn't. Uh, I would categorize it as a very good game, maybe a B plus. Uh, once again, he didn't force balls. Uh, he continued to show excellent touch on a lot of his passes. Uh, if you, if Matthews and Aguilar catch those touchdown passes that they dropped inexplicably, you're looking at a line of 250-plus yards for three TDs instead of the 190-ish and one TD that he had. Um, I mean, Wentz looks amazing for a Division I AA QB. Uh, Granted, he's faced two terrible, terrible teams. Um, But honestly, I, I have not seen a rookie QB command the line like he has um, in terms of directing receivers, directing pass protections, calling audibles, uh, and not just doing all those things, but doing them correctly uh, and getting positive yardage uh, and and positive momentum going forward. Um, you know, I think that you still need to be patient with the kid. Uh, he's going to falter at some point, especially as defenses get a lot more game tape on him. Um I mean, the fact of the matter is that the Eagles have beaten two terrible teams. Uh, nobody would confuse the Bears as a playoff team. Um, but, you know, I mean, you, you play the opponents that you get, and they've both, and he's looked really good against both of them. Uh, I love Trey Burden coming into this game in place of Zach Ertz. Um, I've, I was very high on that kid, uh, and he delivered with a TD uh, and a nice line. Um, I think he's going to be a go-to target, especially given the fact that uh, Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar have bricks for hands, um, and they're just fucking miserable. I mean, they're they're good wide receivers, but Jesus Christ! I mean, wait, 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 Tana, how are you how are you going to say they're good wide receivers and they, they can't, can't catch, catch wide open passes? That's like ninety percent of the whole deal with that position. And I and I agree with you, but they also can make some very difficult catches. It's just they're not consistent, and they drop a lot of easy ones. And I think that if you look at those two, they have the potential to be a, a very nice wide receiver duo in the NFL. Um, but I think that especially given how horrible the offensive line is with the Eagles, if they're not going to catch passes, then at some point, you're going to see this Eagles team regress and you're going to see Wentz regress and also likely get injured um, just given 
the fact that he can't just get momentum with his wide receivers. Um, on the other side, in terms of the Bears, Jay Cutler looked like shit. Uh, he looked like he'd rather be getting a vaccination than being on the football field. Um, he's hurt again, which is no surprise, along with the rest of the team. Uh, I saw a stat last night that Alshon Jeffrey is the only player that the Bears have drafted that's starting. Um, so I can only imagine that he likely wants to kill himself at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, having watched this game start to finish, um, I just don't – the Bears are a bad team. Uh, they have a lot of injuries, but there is no hope uh, right now in Chicago. It doesn't reflect well on John Fox. That team's expected to take a step forward this year, and, and they have not done that. I like that uh, Pernell McPhee, defensive lineman for the Bears, called Cutler out as he was going into the tunnel. That That's pretty classic. That is a classic Bears move. Too, but, but too well. He's a resident of Chicago, and there's only, there's only one thing that matters to these people right now, and it's it's what's going on on the north side. I think these people would take an 0-16 Bears season in a heartbeat if it means that the Cubs finally do this thing, which, of course, they will not. Oh, for sure. For sure. Not a chance. Not even a chance. But I'm going to reel that in because we're not talking baseball here. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Well, let's move on. Uh, I think we got Timmy now uh, covering L.A. and Seattle. Ugh, do I have to? Um, yeah, this game, it was it was atrocious. I mean, Seattle's championship aspirations are about as weak as their, their team protests or whatever the hell they want to call it. <laughs> I mean, three points against the Rams. Have you seen the Rams? Their highlights were on hard knocks. That's as high as their season's going to get. Blaine Gabbert um, shredded them. Yeah, well, Blaine Gra- Gabbert shredded them, exactly. Yo, Gabbert, Gabbert. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I have. Seattle looks looks atrocious through the first two games. Okay. Um, and the Rams, I mean, they, they won their their – their first game back in L.A., I guess, good for them. But they look pretty stupid, too. I mean, Jared Goff, what's going on? Um, he He's stands not... up to wipe. He's a stander. That's all you need to say about him. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, That's literally everything I have on this game. I, when you can't beat out Case Keenum, then you are officially atrocious. So here, I, okay, time out, time I out. I feel, like every, I, I feel like we're letting the Seahawks off a little bit easy here. We're talking yeah, about the I Rams agree. being I atrocious, agree. but they're supposed to be atrocious. The Seahawks are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Good point. And, and this is now two weeks in a row that they have failed to score. They've got some major problems with their offense, particularly in the running game, and, and, and let's not gloss over that. I don't know that there's the personnel here, whether it's on the line or in the backfield, to, to get this thing right. Russell Wilson re-lost his virginity and lost his ability to be a good quarterback. I, I couldn't agree more, Josh. I think the main the main point with that game is is how bad the the Seahawks really looked. The line the line was just atrocious. Atrocious. It was so bad, and Russell Wilson must be feeling pretty pissed off about what's going on in front of him right now. And and I think not having Marshawn Lynch has something to do with it too. I think uh, with the devaluation of running backs in the NFL. There's this sense that you can just plug in a guy and get the same level of production. And Thomas Rawls was okay last year, but he's hurt. Kristen Michael just 
you know, is, is a preseason warrior, hasn't been able to do it in a game, and and taste the rainbow Skittles, man, isn't coming through that door. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> Excellent segue into uh, Pittsburgh defeating Cincinnati. I think, Adam, you have this one? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, first of all, the this is a Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. So, I, I wanted to start out just by, very quickly, the, the actual score lines, right? So, some guy named Xavier Grimble... 20-yard pass from Ben Roethlisberger. Who is Xavier Grimble? Okay, anyway. Then a field goal, a field goal, a field goal. Then some guy named Jesse James, a nine-yard pass from Ben Roethlisberger. Then a field goal. Then a 71-yard... Is that the guy who cheated on Sandra Bullock? <laughs> I think it must be, honestly. And then some then some, you know, 71-year-old running back named D'Angelo Williams. Just kidding. Uh, and then Gio Bernard, right? Like So this was not the... Hey, Antonio Brown puts up two touchdowns and, you know, 100, 114 yards on nine catches. And this was not A.J. Green, you know, brings down two touchdowns with, with you know, 90, 100 yards. It wasn't that game. Um, you know, if you go back to it, really the, the corners um, for Cincinnati, they were the story, I think, of, of this game. They, they, were, they were great in shutting down Brown. And... and uh, uh, one little funny part that that kind of took place in this game was was uh, <laughs> the review. I don't know if you saw this review that that basically in the third quarter, uh, Marvin Lewis should have challenged uh, on a on a touchdown play. Um, his his uh, what's his name Uzoma, right? The tight end um, caught a touchdown was definitely in right. Like oh my god, I started Uzoma and that was a terrible non. It was so bad. It was so oh. bad, right? And and then and 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 the really telling thing here was that the reporters challenged Lewis after the game, right? And they're like, "Hey, well, you know what the hell?" Basically, and he says they're asking him why didn't why didn't uh, challenge, and he goes, "No, no. If I'm wrong, then I'm screwed. That's up to the, that's up to them to determine whether or not to challenge. I'm not going to lobby for it." And I, I just I just don't understand. Like everybody in that stadium saw the replay and saw that his knee was down or knee was inbounds so, so basically marvin lewis it's week two and he's in playoff form yes so that that was all to say marvin lewis is still marvin lewis and you know that's it can i say something about these two teams real quick and i'll take that as a yes and what i want to say is fuck both of these teams they play one dirty ass game in the playoffs last year Featuring Joey Porter and Vontez Burfecht being complete assholes, as they are known to be. And all of a sudden, this is the, the most intense, hardest-hitting rivalry in the league. They played one stupid-ass playoff game that sucked. I think that's bullshit, and I think that maybe I'm just being a salty Ravens fan here. But I still think Ravens-Steelers is a better game than Bengals-Steelers ever will be. Get them. Get them, Josh. And then you You're not wrong, necessarily. You're not necessarily wrong. Let's let's use your momentum, and you're taking San Diego defeating Jacksonville next. I owe I owe Mike McCoy an apology because I was um I was lighting the match on his funeral pyre last week after that uh, dreadful uh, loss they had at, at at Kansas City giving up that lead, 
and they came back and they they opened up at home without Keenan Allen losing Danny Woodhead and really just took Blake Bortles and the Jags out to the woodshed, um, spreading the ball around, getting Travis Benjamin involved, holding on to the lead, keeping that foot on the gas all four quarters. Um, and, and the way the defense played, I think, was especially impressive. We expect to see good things out of Phillip Rivers. Um, you know, we expect to see him make something out of nothing. He's done it in the past. Um, but for the defense to shut down the, the allegedly ascendant Jaguars offense with um, Allen's Hearns and Robinson, Bortles, Yeldon back there, pretty pretty impressive day all around for that team. Um, who knows? Probably not a playoff team, but, but, you know, looks like they'll at least be competitive. So Mike McCoy and the San Diego Chargers, I was wrong, a bit premature. I apologize. All right. Well, I'm sure he loves your apology and and your tears. Uh, we'll keep going. And next up, we RIP have, Danny Woodhead's ACL. Ugh, terrible, by the way. Awful. Brutal. Crazy. Uh, Brutal. But we'll, we'll keep it rolling, and we'll go to Dallas defeating Washington next, and I'll take this one. A uh, couple quick, quick points. Uh, Cousins, once again – throws the game away in the red zone. Uh, he threw it directly in the Barry Church's stomach, um, which just is fucking music to my ears because, again, as I've said before, this fan base deserves all the worst things in the world, uh, and they're getting it this year with Kirk Cousins. Um, on the other side, I think Zeke and Dak acquitted themselves well. Uh, especially after last week's performance. I think they look a lot better. Dak was particularly efficient with his throws, um, and he did everything that he needed to do to win, including after the interception, making the comeback, uh, which you know is very difficult uh, for a young QB, regardless of the situation. Um, I'm still perplexed by the fact that Gruden refuses to just let Josh Norman cover the best receiver the entire game. He didn't do it once. Norman didn't cover um, Des Bryant once the entire first half. And then he decided in the second half, oh, well, we'll we'll let Norman cover him. And it was too late. Um, I think it's really terrible for a coach when you take an entire half to adjust to something that happened the week before as well. Uh, I don't think that speaks very well of Gruden. I mean, I think he's a terrible coach in general, uh, and this team well, is well, terrible. Well, Bill, Bill, to be fair, you don't want to let Cole Beasley beat you. I mean, he's he's vicious. He's vicious. Um, you know, I mean, listen. Those seven-yard outs will kill you, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, let's be real. Uh, neither one of these teams is going to make a lot of noise, um, but at least there's hope, in, there's hope in Dallas with Dak and Zeke. I mean, they – if they can continue on like this past week, you got a future there, um, which is why I think it's particularly delusional that Jerry Jones continues to double down on the fact that if Romo comes back at some point this season, they're going to let him play in place of Dak. And I think that's going to ruin Dak's development. I think that um, I think that it's, it's just really poor judgment. And once again, it's a, narcissistic owner 
being overbearing on the team. Um, look, I mean, Dak's not Josh McCown. He's not a, a placeholder for somebody else. Dak is supposed to be the future, and if he is the future, then you need to treat him as such and make sure that he's not just some fucking plug-and-play uh, for a few weeks while Romo you know, rehabs and then comes back to break his fucking back again. But that's all I got on that game, if anybody else wants to jump in. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and take the rare opportunity to say something complimentary about Dan Schneider and the Redskins front office. In, in an administration that is known for its awful, awful signings, I think they finally made a good decision in not signing Kirk Cousins to that long-term deal. Oh, agreed. It's two games in, he's playing like absolute trash. He's already losing the locker room. Imagine if they had given him like a hundred million dollars. So you know, nice, nice job to, uh, nice job to Dan and the boys there in Ashburn. No, I totally agree. They've dodged a bullet there. It's true. Yeah. Matt right. Jones sucks. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's keep going. Uh, Denver defeating Indy. Uh, Timmy, do you want to take that one? Yeah, I got this one. So, uh, off the bat, I think Denver's defense shows us that they're they're still there. They're still good enough, even with Trevor, Trevor Simeon at quarterback, to keep this team in most of their games, be competitive, make the playoffs, and then who knows from there. Um, the Colts side of the ball, man, that defense was depleted. The the, the cornerback who had that sure pick six and then just couldn't even, I mean, I think they signed guys off the street to finish out that second half. So um, that's yeah, not I, good. That's, I, actually, that's... I actually played, I played safety for them the last eight snaps. So <laughs> it's funny. I've seen you play safety in flag football. All you do is spy the quarterback. So um, that's right. Yeah. It's all, it's all really close spies. So you don't have to run too much. Yeah. Um, I mean, Andrew Luck, Kept doing Andrew Luck things. Every time I thought that game was totally over, he pulled something out. He didn't have a great game by the numbers, a couple fumbles, a couple picks. Uh, that that pick six by Tlaib, who wasn't drunk, didn't shoot himself on that play. Good for him. Do we know that um, for a fact? Uh, actually, we don't. That's a good point. Um, but I just I just got to wonder, not to, get, not to jump the gun on the coaching hot seat stuff here, but how much more time does Chuck Pagano have? I mean, they're... They're 0-2 to start the season for the third straight year. Um, they can't count on that AFC South being garbage all the time. The, I mean, the Texans look pretty good. Um, they're really they're wasting prime Andrew Luck years here. And how many more chances are they going to have to just completely fuck it up and bumble it every year? Um, that's about all I got on that game. I, I feel bad for Pagano here because I think that uh, Grigson has done such a terrible job of putting together a functional NFL roster that Pagano's been behind the eight ball from the start. Well, they, they despise no defense, each other. They have no offensive line. They have no running game. They, they've got Andrew Luck and some, and some average to a 82 year old Frank Gore guys like Hilton and Moncrief and Dorsett are fine, but like, come on, you, you've got this, quarterback who is young and, and dynamic and can do so many things and and you're sitting here trading first round draft picks for Trent Richardson get the fuck out of here yeah yeah it it's the story it's a story of a few stars and a, just a bunch of gutter snipes just a bunch of garbage men it's just so bad 
Fuck the Ursays. All right. Well, let's move to our final game for the recap, and that Speaking is... Speaking of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> we got the New York Jets defeating Adams Buffalo Bills. Uh, let's do a little wrap on this, dude. This should be fun. Okay, so so here's here's how I saw it. I saw a an 84-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin and a 71-yard touchdown pass to Greg Salas, right, both from Tyrod. And then I saw an offense that should have been playing here in, in, in Westlake uh, on a Friday night. Um, just the worst the worst display in prime time that you could possibly have of like an NFL offense. It was, it was, was pretty good. It, it, it was just, it was just so bad in, in that the plays were a couple runs where you've got shady bills, favorite, Right, you got Shady dancing around on the edge. You got nobody who can run up the middle. You, you, you know, you're coming off a season where you lead the league in the NFL. You lead the NFL in total rushing, and you cannot on a Thursday night in prime time at home in a in in an atmosphere that, by the way, Brandon Marshall said it was the best atmosphere he'd ever played in in the NFL. Right, that's the one one good takeaway I had from it, but. You've got no offense. You absolutely cannot let Ryan Fitzpatrick go off for 370 yards on you. You looked like children out there. And then you turn around and you fire the offensive coordinator during week two. It's literally eight days in the season, right? Fire the offensive coordinator. And suddenly we're just, we're just sitting here like, great. What what shoe falls next, right? Like which which one which one goes now? This is this is an absolute pile of steaming Rex Ryan garbage. He he and his badass brother, and and now you know he's removed his lap band, so he'll he'll be thirty pounds heavier in another I don't know like eighteen days or so, right? So he and his badass brother have basically taken us into into the realm of like uh idiocracy right where where nobody is going to take us seriously until those two guys are gone our defense in 2014 as bill knows the the eagles defense right it acquits themselves now jim schwartz did what he had to do what we have now it's a sieve it leaks like a sieve it's an utter embarrassment i'm fine if we go zero and four we've got the cardinals coming up we'll talk about it if we go in four, fine. Get him out of town. I don't give a shit. I'm over it. Doug Whaley, you gotta you gotta save your ass anyway. You know, GM's GM's gotta save his ass. Whatever. I feel like the Ryan brothers are kind of like a white trash version of the Dukes from Trading Places. <laughs> it, for those who get that reference, yes, I think you might be right about that. Oh, also, um, Lashawn McCoy is being sued by some off-duty Philly cops for punching them in a bar fight. Yeah, well, we were worried he was going to be uh, he was going to be suspended from that, but no, now he's just going to have to pay some cash. So, straight cash, homie. Richie Richie Incognito has been a model citizen from from all uh, from all reports coming out of Orchard Park, though. So that's something positive. Well, that's the messed up thing is Richie Incognito has been one of the best things we could talk about. What does that say? 
that there's not much worth talking about. That says we're done with this game. (laughs) All right. So that concludes our recap of week two in the NFL. Uh, and now moving on to our next segment, a special segment, uh, Josh attended the Ravens versus Browns football game. If you can really call it that, uh, in Cleveland this past weekend, uh, and we're going to give him just a little bit of time to tell, to tell the listeners about his experiences, uh, what the Cleveland mafia is like, uh, and Josh, take it away. I'd like to start by saying Cleveland gets a bad rep, but it is a very lovely city. Every time I've been, I've had a wonderful time. That being said, never been to a, never been to a Browns game before. And I knew coming in that with the Ravens uh, basically being the old Browns, taking their team from them, breaking their heart, and then having a ton of success while they scrambled through 87 quarterbacks in five years, uh, wasn't sure what type of environment I was going to run into. Um, I will say that the tailgate game was, was a little, little tamer than I expected from the Browns fans. Uh, the two most deplorable things that I saw going on in that parking lot were, uh, people throwing bags of wine around and somebody drinking a beer with mustard and a hot dog in it. And both of those things were being done by Ravens fans. So, uh. Cleveland, step your game up on that front. But as the game as the game uh, approached, we made our way over to the stadium. We probably had about half a mile from our parking lot to the stadium. And the, the closest thing that I can compare it to is Cersei Lannister's Walk of Shame. It felt like we were going through a gauntlet. Five people wearing purple in just a sea of drunk, angry Browns fans who have had nothing but a decade plus of complete despair and hatred in their hearts. Um, I, w- I will say <laughs> that, that, that most, I, I will say that most fans were, uh, were very polite, very respectful, a lot of, uh, a lot of ribbing that was all in good fun, but there were some, there were some moments where, you know, there were some people who were looking for the slightest provocation to really go at it. Um, definitely got hit by a few things, uh, a few projectiles walking walking to the stadium. Some genius insurance company decided to hand out uh, styrofoam footballs or some shit like that. Definitely got hit with a few of those. Um, getting to the stadium was an interesting experience. Um, I was going up the escalator to my seats. And there were two guys in their mid-20s who were giving, giving us hell uh, in really kind of a threatening way, cursing and all that. When another Browns fan with his daughter goes the whole, hey, man, there are kids here route. The guy, the Browns fan turns to the other Browns fan and says, well, don't fucking bring your fucking kid to a fucking adult fucking entertainment fucking event. That's verbatim, by the way. I sneak away while these two start going at it. This one guy still has his kid on his shoulder. Good times. Um, <laughs> so I get to my seats, and it's actually a very beautiful stadium. Very nice. Um, wish they had a better product on the field to go along with what they've got there. And the atmosphere was great. The, the Browns went up big. Everyone was happy. 
But but then when things started to stall, you almost th- this funk came over the stadium, and it was kind of this this here we go again type malaise that that just built, and it's like everybody there was waiting for the bottom to drop out. And it just seemed like a self-fulfilling doomsday prophecy. And, of course, it all came to a head in the fourth quarter when, when and I swear, this is the worst call I've ever seen. I, I'm, a, I'm a Ravens homer till the end. Terrell Pryor was not trying to throw that ball at Lardarius Webb. He was not trying to taunt anyone. He wasn't trying to rub it in anyone's face. He got up, looked directly at the ref, Tossed the ball to him. Webb stood up, got knocked with the ball. 15-yarder. Josh McCown, interception, game over. And I'm not going to lie. We we stayed in our seats for a few minutes to give the stadium a chance to clear out because we did not want anything to do uh, with, with that crowd in that state that quickly after the events that transpired on the field. But at the end of the day... Pretty positive experience. Met a lot of nice people. Um, anywhere you go, you got 20% of the people who are probably going to be bigger assholes, and those are the, pe- the type of people you tend to notice. But everybody, for the most part, was there to have a good time, enjoy the game. Well, not enjoy the game, but, you know, watch the game, I guess. And I do wish the Browns all of luck. I hope they get it together one of these days. I'd rather see them be competitive than the fucking Bengals or Steelers. Very quick, very quick uh, side note on the last time I was at a Cleveland Browns game. Thursday night football, Bills-Browns. Both quarterbacks have their knees torn. Everyone leaves crying, basically. Oh, is that, that the Jeff Tool game? Up. Correct. That, that, about, that, that, was, that was when EJ tore his knee the same night Brian Hoyer tore his knee. EJ's wasn't as bad as Brian's. Brian's Brian was done for the year, right? And everybody basically just left crying. And that essentially is those. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't get old. And why does that only happen when I'm talking? Because you're told because you're talking about the Bills. Terrible team, dude. If Nick was here, we'd be doing you're, it for his welcome. rounds, too. The whole goddamn podcast would be that sound if Nick was here. So consider yourself lucky. So moving on. Thank you, Josh for that recap of what it's like to be in Believe Land. Uh, and I guess we'll move on well, to the next segment, and we're going to roll with the basket of deplorables. Uh, wait, time out. I'm sorry. There, there is one more thing regarding the, the, the Cleveland home opener that, that I would like to touch on. Th- this was their first home game of the season. LeBron was in L.A. Enough said. Move on. Oh. That's better for his brand, yo. All right. Fair enough. LeBron's a fuckboy. No surprises there. Uh, And we'll move on to the basket of deplorable segment. Uh, And really what this is about is just highlighting just one of the players that we've watched over the weekend that just, you know, very disappointing or just really just fucking sucks and... You just can't stand. Uh, and I'll kick this one off um, with my favorite target, apparently, this week, Kirk Cousins. Um, oh, man, I was going to take him. Well, 
I live in DC and I got to deal Too with easy. fans and deal with with watching these recaps and quite frankly watching the games every week. And I've always thought he was bad. I've always thought he was an atrocious quarterback. Um, quite frankly, he just cannot make throws consistently. Um, and he just looks confused literally all the time. Like, I thought Sam Bradford looks confused, but I think that just might be his face. Kirk yeah, I Cousins, think that's just his eye sockets. That's yeah, just his eye yeah, sockets. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. Kirk it's Cus- the long sleeves that throw you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cousins looks absolutely confused 90% of the time. Um, as a fantasy player, he's ruining Jordan Reed. Ruining him both as a fantasy player and then just as like an actual human being and player, like Jordan Reed's prime is going to be wasted with this fuck. Um, you know, look, it, again, as somebody said earlier in the podcast, it was a smart move not to give him a long-term contract, but at the end of the day, he's still getting 20 mil and that's preposterous, but I'm not mad at him for it. Like, fuck it. Take that 20 mil and throw 40 picks this year. Because that's what he's gonna do. Um, like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would like twenty million. Um, you know, I, I honestly think that out of all the quarterbacks that are kind of iffy, uh, he might be benched in the next couple of weeks if he doesn't turn it around. Um, as for who? For Colt McCoy? I uh, yeah, dude. Look, Colt, baby. Nobody in that organization is tied to him. Dan Snyder was tied to RG three. He's gone. Nobody cares about Kirk Cousins. The locker room, as you said, Josh, the locker room doesn't like him anymore. They're questioning him. He, when he threw that pick to basically end the game and give and give Dallas the, the comeback drive, multiple players just walked off the field and threw their helmets in disgust. And while I get that that was likely because they knew that they were about to lose, it was also in disgust of the fact that Kirk Cousins just is not a good quarterback, and he's not a leader. Yeah, but you can't bench so, him, though. You've got the guy playing under the franchise tag. You need to see whether or not this can be your guy long-term or not. Benching him for Colt McCoy, who you know is not the answer, really accomplishes nothing organizationally. And as I'm saying this, I realize that since it's not the, the, the smart, logical thing to do, that, of course, what's the Redskins gonna will do it. So I just answered my own question. Well, that's yes, fair, yes. but like if you Let, if you want to if you want to look at what's good for the organization, letting Kirk Cousins seizure out there for 16 games is also not good for their brand and for their team. Like they're just like they have no, they have no right answer. They they don't have a better option to turn to, but they're absolutely terrible. Colt, Colt McCoy had like eight teams reach out to him to come be a backup, right? He said, no, I'm staying here in Washington. I think this is the best place for me. I think this is the place I have the best shot at playing. It's because it's probably true, because Kirk Cousins is garbage. All right, can I jump in now with a, with another player? Go for it. it. shares a lot of qualities with, with Kirk Cousins that we were just talking about. Um, my deplorable of the week is Jay Cutler, and I'm surprised that cool. you guys didn't want him. That was mine. Because everything you guys just talked about with Kirk Cousins about losing the locker room and his teammates hating him, that's Jay Cutler. Except unlike Kirk Cousins, Jay Cutler has all the talent in the goddamn world. Sometimes you see him throw a football, and there's nobody else in the league. Aaron Rodgers, 
Peyton Manning, back when he didn't have a noodle arm, he makes throws that some of these guys can't make, but he seems so disinterested, and he's a fucking disaster. He left that game. I've never seen a player with less less interest in actually playing. Um, he seems like the guy that would be happy to tear his ACL and miss a season and a half. <laughs> Well, the Eagles knocked I... him out. The, the Eagles knocked him out of the game, so I guess that's the next best case for him. My my guy, my 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 deplorable for the week, and and I I hate to do it because he's had such a great career, but Bill took my guy Kirk Cousins and left me scrambling. I'm throwing Darrell Revis in the basket. Um, I don't know if this is a blip on the radar or something bigger, but these first two weeks he has just not looked good. I'm I'm. Googling right now, and the New York Post has already turned on him. He's due to make a lot of money. Uh, th- this could be a, I, and I hope it's not the case, but it could be a, you know, a, a pretty precipitous decline uh, for one of the greatest players of, of this past generation. No, I, I mean, think Revis got Revis got beat. Revis got beat by by a guy who was on the the U.S. Olympic team. Right on the track, uh, and just he kind of he's giving people a lot more of a buffer now, right? He's giving a little bit more space, but he's still very, very good. I don't know if I buy the whole like he's totally he's totally you know a mid tier cornerback anymore. I don't I don't buy that yet. I, I'm not on that team yet. All right, Adam, who are you putting in the basket? Well, my basket was filled with Jay Cutler. Like that was the only name I could possibly think of. Um, I, I will. You can, uh, you can put coaches in. Hint, hint. Yeah, no. So I mean, I'm I'm just immediately going straight to Rex Ryan. More, even more so, Rob Ryan. But 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 Rex and Rob Ryan, they go in my basket. The problem is my basket is not nearly big enough for those two fat asses at all. Like those guys, they suck. They don't know how to run a game. Their adjustments are pathetic. And, and you know what? They're going to be gone. I do believe they will be gone. I just need them to be gone faster. We're in rebuilding mode. I'm calling it now. What do you mean, of course you're in rebuilding mode? You've been in rebuilding mode since the Music City Miracle. Yeah, fair. Okay, so, you know, 17 years. Like, that. that is what it is. I, it, it remains rebuilding mode. Sounds like I touched a nerve there. My blood pressure got my blood pressure went up. It did. It not for good reasons. It it went up for, for bad reasons. Eat some fruit. Calm down. Eat some fucking snacks. All right. So we'll move on. Uh, and very hopefully a very quick segment. Two and O teams and O and two teams. For the two and O teams, are they real or are they frauds? And for the O and two teams, are they finished or are they not? Uh, Adam, do you want to do you want to kick this one off? Oh sure. You want me to talk about the zero and two teams first, like the Bills? Okay. So look, we play. We we're gonna play one of each. Play... One of each. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, the 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 Bills are screwed, so I'll skip. I'll skip past them. I think the I think the Bears are lifeless. Just absolutely lifeless. Uh, I I don't see anything quality. Um, on that team, I think the attitude of Cutler, like Tim mentioned, is just is embarrassing, and I think that I think that they'll have a hard, hard year. Um, in terms of two and O teams, um, <clears throat> I, I can't talk about the Patriots. I hate them too much. 
I will say that that I think the Steelers are the cream of the crop right now. Um, I think that they have yet to even figure out exactly uh, how good their offense can be, the weapons that they're starting to, to plug into place. They're getting people healthy. Le'Veon's coming back. Um, I think they are are as strong as, as anybody, and uh, I'd put them at the very top of the pack. Timmy, what about uh, what about you? What are you thinking? I want to hit two uh, two and O teams real quick. I think the Vikings are really good. I think they can give the give the Packers another run for their money in the NFC North. And I also just want to hit on the Eagles real quick. I've been impressed by Carson Wentz. I'm higher on him than I was going into the season. But keep in mind, Lane Johnson's suspension just, suspension just came through. Uh, he's going to appeal it, so he might have a couple more weeks. But they're going to have to overhaul that offensive line, and that's not going to help out the rookie quarterback. And I think we're going to see uh, a steeper learning curve than we, we maybe uh, are expecting after these first two weeks, especially going into a tough game in Pittsburgh. So he plays in Pittsburgh this week, though. But then he's done. He's done after this week. Because when he finds out his appeal, it's either going to be after one, because they have a week four bye week. And then it's either going to be he's he'll be reinstated or he'll be done for you know ten games or whatever the fuck. It you mean, is. he's not you mean Lane. You mean Lane Johnson, right? Yes. You're referring to Lane. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They have to go play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're not good enough. But yeah. All right, we'll kiss my ass on that. But all right, uh, Josh, you want to jump in now with uh, your for real frauds or in finish or not? Yeah, I'm actually going to keep it in the NFC East for both the teams I'd like to hit. Um, I think that the Redskins, when I see them at 0-2, I think that among the teams that are sitting there right now, I think they have the best shot to claw their way out of it. And the number one reason why is I don't think that division's very good. Dallas squeaked out one. They lost by a, by a couple to the Giants. They, they aren't setting the world on fire. I don't think Romo coming back makes them that much better given his health situation. I think the Eagles are, de- are due to regress a little bit at some point um, with a rookie quarterback and some talent gaps on that roster. And that brings me to the other team that I want to hit, which is the Giants, who I think are also are maybe a little bit overinflated at 2-0 right now. Probably not going to run the table in the NFC East. Um, They certainly have a nice team, and I definitely think that they're the team to beat in that division. Um, I worry about that running game. Uh, Rashad Jennings hasn't really gotten it going yet, and he's now a little bit banged up. Shane Vereen can't really carry the load there. I think that they, uh, they had a nice win against the Cowboys in Week 1. The Saints aren't very good, I, but I, I, I think they come back to earth a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, and for me, uh, I, I also had the Giants as uh, one of the 2-0 teams that I just don't believe in. Uh, and that may sound like it's a biased opinion, um, but they just don't, they just don't impress me. Um, I think that they're very run-of-the-mill. Uh, if you look at the DVOA right now, uh, they have the lowest DVOA of any 2-0 team in the league. And that makes sense because they squeak by and nail biters in both games. Uh, they just don't. They don't instill confidence in terms of a team that. Look, I mean, maybe they make the playoffs because the NFC East is terrible, but they're not making a deep run. Um, 
And I say that knowing that the Giants, every time they've won the Super Bowl the last two times, did not instill confidence in anything either. Um, but I just don't like them. And quite honestly, I think they, they have an upset potential uh, against the Redskins this week. The other team that I want to talk about is the Colts uh, at 0-2. And they, like I looked at the slate and the, the 0-2 teams, and they are the only team that I think could come out of this. Um, let's keep in mind that historically 12% of 0-2 teams make the playoffs uh, that year. So it's a very small percentage that we're talking about. Um, and in many years, it's it's nobody that comes out of the tailspin of 0-2. Um, I think the Colts can do it. They have the offense that should win them some games. Their defense is trash, obviously. Um, they're not in a great division. And I think it's worth seeing what, what they're going to be about going forward. So is everybody good on uh, on 2-0 and 0-2 teams? Yes, no, maybe so. All right, so let's jump into previews for week three, uh, and we'll kick it off with Josh with the Ravens versus Jags. Yep, so big spot here for my for my boys in purple, uh, getting out to a fast 2-0 start. Um, it, it's not saying much, but going on the road to Jacksonville is probably their biggest uh, test of the first three games they've had here. Um, not a great track record for the Ravens against the Jags the last uh, few times they've played. Lost to them last year at home when they got boned by the refs on that field goal penalty. Um, laid an egg uh, against them a couple times ago on the road at Monday Night Football. And two years ago, uh, just really squeaked by, uh, even when they had a good team. So I really think that, um, that we're due to go in on the road and, and really have a good showing against these guys. I think the offense is rounding into shape, especially the passing game. I think Joe Flacco has uh, really established a rapport with Mike Wallace, rediscovered his relationship with Dennis Pitta. And I think they can go and, and do some good things against a Jag secondary that has not looked uh, great to date. Um, they were, they were kind of a trendy pick before the year started here, but I think by the time that Sunday's games ends, they're at 0-3 and the Ravens are at 3-0. and All right, fair enough. Uh, we'll get going with the Steelers at the Eagles, and I'll take this one. Um, I'm excited about this game because it's the first real test for Wentz. Um, so it'll be interesting how he responds, particularly on a short week. Um, in terms of the Steelers, I mean, they just keep chugging along. Uh, they've been highly impressive their last two games, and they don't even have Le'Veon Bell back yet. Um, you know, on the on the flip side, D'Angelo Williams is is a joy to watch. Like I love him and Larry Fitzgerald are the two non-Eagles that I just fucking love to tune in and and watch what they do. Um, I think particularly after Antonio Brown's very down week. Um, which I'm sure screwed a lot of fantasy players. Uh, I mean, I honestly think that Ben's going to throw the Antonio Brown a ton early and often. Um, in terms of the Eagles, to counterbalance that, 
you know, I, I love our defense. I think we have a very good defense. Um, but I think the key there is going to be the safeties helping over the top uh, to at least try to minimize the big game-busting plays that Antonio Brown is used to. Um, I mean, in terms of a prediction, I've always said that this is an L on our on our schedule. Um, so I think we go into the bye week two and one. Um, in terms of the score, I think it's going to be a close one because I think the, the Eagles' defense is solid. Um, I think it's going to be 24-21 Steelers. And the wow, difference... generous. I, and if you say that, that's fine. But the, the Eagles' defense has the second highest DVOA in the league right now. They're legit. I believe in them. But it's going to be close. I think they're going to they're going to be able to stifle Steeler, the Steelers office offense somewhat. But at the end of the day, when you look at back at the last 2 weeks, you have key drops from your top two receivers and you haven't paid for it. I think the third time's the charm in that regard. I think that you're going to see a close game, but you're going to watch Wentz and the Eagles fall because either Jordan Matthews or Nelson Aguilar or one of the other receivers drops a key ball either for a big a big play or a touchdown, and that's how they're going to end up losing. But it's going to be an admirable loss. You're going to go into the bye week feeling confident about Wentz. All right, so moving on, um, we got Arizona-Buffalo for Adam. Okay, so... Um, that was nice to hear Bill, uh, talking about what will maybe be a potential loss for his team, but still seeming somewhat positive about it. I'm going to go the other direction. Um, what I don't know is, uh, what the Bills offense will look like on Sunday when, when the Cardinals come to town. What I do know is that we are likely to have fewer absolute bomb touchdowns than we had last time, uh, which were the only two real positive plays we had. Um, And we're going against a much better offense. So the 370 yards that we gave up to Ryan freaking Fitzpatrick uh, probably pale in comparison to what, uh, what Palmer and company can do to us. Um, yeah, I think that in general we're three touchdowns worse than the Cardinals. Um, I think the fans are going to get pretty pissed off. You, you're probably going to hear some booing, unless for some reason, like they, you know, Anthony Anthony Lynn or whatever pulls out some a rabbit out of the hat. Um, you know, on on offense, I, I just think we will continually get more and more and more exposed uh, for our defensive scheme. I think the scheme is the biggest problem. We're leaving too many people out on an island we're leaving way up for grabs um and it's hard to it's hard to come back from big blow-ups like that so uh yeah we're screwed three touchdowns or so i don't know maybe it's a 10-point game but it won't look like it (laughs) how's that for positive how's that good Uh, i mean it's very positive uh so let's go let's move on to uh tim do you want to take on the texans at the pats uh, I'm impressed that we've gotten this far without talking about the Patriots. Good on us. They fucking yeah, suck. Yeah, fuck them. Excellent. Um, 
So th- this game to me is all about who plays and who doesn't play. I mean, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a good game. It's two two potential big players in the AFC. Um, really curious to see if Gronk plays or if they're just holding him back until Brady's there and then they unleash hell on everybody, which personally that's what I suspect they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to be one snap away from some Julian Edelman time at quarterback. That's always good, a non-quarterback getting some snaps. Um, really hoping to see that. Um, looking forward to see if Jadavian Clowney's back and healthy, um, or if we can start writing him off as just an injury-prone bust. Um, but like I said, I think this is a good game. Um, Patriots probably win because they're the fucking Patriots. But I hope not. Fair enough. So then we'll move on. We got Vikings at the Panthers. Uh, and I'll take this one. Uh Look, I love what Bradford did last week. I think he looked very good in primetime. Um, but I've seen it before. I saw it last year. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is that he's already he already got hurt in his first game back. He hurt his, his hand, even though it wasn't like a big deal. But the fact of the matter is that that, that dude is made of very, very thin crystal. And it just cracks very easily. Um, on the plus side, he and Stefan Diggs clearly have a good connection, which will make fantasy owners very, very happy. Um, but, you know, I think it gets a lot more difficult this week against the Panthers. Um, and if the Vikings want to win or even keep it close, then the Minnesota D needs to pop uh, like they did last week and slow things down a little bit. Uh, and make sure that it's a low-scoring game. Um, a, a nice stat that I saw from last week is that Bradford was pressured on 48% of his dropbacks against the Green Bay defense, and I don't think anybody's considering the Green Bay defense to be world beaters, uh, and Carolina's going to come out hungry uh, and dial up, I think, a lot of blitzes and stunts, Uh and if you can hit Bradford, you can knock him out of the game uh, because he's fragile like a fucking baby unicorn. Um, I like Carolina here in terms of how the game's going to go. Uh, I do think that it's going to be low scoring. I think both of those defenses are fairly decent, um, which is going to piss off fantasy owners, I'm sure. Uh, but I, th- I like Carolina here like 17 to 10. And if nobody has any objections to that analysis, which I'm sure you don't because it was infallible, uh, we got Broncos at Bengals with Adam. Yes, so uh, in this case, I think that you've got the Bengals coming off of of a pretty strong game, really, top to bottom, uh, against the Steelers. They lost. Again, we talked earlier about you know, they had a call that, that could have gone the other way for them in the end zone that actually would have would have ended up, you know, bringing it even. Um, I think that in this case, the Bengals are a more complete team. Um, you know, you hate to pick against Von Miller in, in any game when you see what he what he did at the end of that last game. Um, but but I really think that that the Bengals in this case are more complete. They're at home. Um I kind of lean toward them, you know, as, as like, uh, I don't think the line's like three and a half or three or something like that. But I think I like them, you know, 24-20, something, something around there. 
Um, their cornerbacks are exceptional. Um, that that Denver passing game is not not really that strong, and and we all know the Bengals are good against the run. So, um, you know, I think the better offense wins here, and I think the better offense is the Bengals. All right, fair enough. Uh, Tim, we got Jets at Chiefs. You want to take that one? Yeah. Uh, again, another what I think is a sneaky good AFC game, kind of to start to figure out. Who that who that real second tier is behind the behind the New Englands and Pittsburghs um, in the AFC? Uh, really curious to see what happens in the Chiefs' backfield with Jamal Charles likely returning. Um, how that plays out both in real football and fantasy football for everybody. Um, the Jets, you know, seeing if they can they can keep it rolling. They seem like they have a good thing going. They had a strong you know ten wins last year. Um, Matt Forte though, man. Hopefully they don't run him into the ground, but he looks like a beast still on the wrong side of 30. Um, I don't really have a prediction, but Incredible. I do think this is one of the better games on the slate for Sunday. Yeah, that's actually a game that, I, that I'm very interested in watching. Um, I agree. I mean, I, I think it, it should be very, very interesting. Uh, oh, what, one last piece. I know, we, I know we talked a little bit about it earlier. If we see Jeremy fucking Macklin hanging big numbers on Darrell Rivas, I think we can start to throw some dirt on that grave. Sorry, Adam. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, I love Macklin. Like, he was a Philly guy, but uh, he is not a world beater by any means. And if he blows up Rivas Island, then it's nuked for good, I think. I, I, I will cede, I will happily cede that point if jeremy jeremy macklin torches him then sure pile, pile it on his grave that's great jeremy macklin and alex smith piling it on him potentially there you yeah. go oh yeah that, that's embarrassing um all right so then to wrap up our preview for week three we have the rams at the bucks uh for josh and i'm sorry that you have to tackle this game because it it's not exciting I actually kind of like this game. It's it, it, this game. It's a little bit of a of a weird one. We've we've got two teams after week one that we thought were were going in in pretty uh, opposite directions. The Bucks had a, had a tough win against a division opponent at home in week one. Everybody was feeling good about Jameis Winston and how the offense was playing. The Rams, on the other hand, get knocked around on the road by what a lot of people think. Uh, is one of the worst teams in the league in San Francisco. Flash forward to week two, the Bucks go out to Arizona and lay an egg in a game that a lot of people thought might be their coming out party. And the Rams, we touched on earlier, beat a Super Bowl contender at home and, and make a pretty dynamic offense look uh, rather, rather pedestrian. I, I've gone back and forth on this game. You've, you've got... The good matchup with the Bucks offense against the Rams defense, but I think at the end of the day, an inexperienced team like the Rams, especially on offense, traveling west to east for an early game, I think that spells disaster for them. I I think the Bucks win. I think something weird happens. Care to elaborate on something weird? Not particularly. That's the type of analysis that we can bring to the Free Ball and Football podcast. And with that, let's move on to our next segment, the fantasy plays and fantasy bums of the week. So I'm going to say let's do, let's everybody choose one, either a fantasy play or a fantasy bum, and let's talk about them for a little bit. 
Um, I'll take this one first. Uh, because quite frankly, I, I brought up this statistic last week and then the audio was all fucked up, but my bum, and he's always been my bum is Todd Gurley. I never liked him. I didn't like the idea of drafting him last year and I didn't. And then this year I stayed away from him. And the only thing you need to know about Todd Gurley are the following two statistics in his first five games as a pro. He had 575 yards for an average of 6.1 per carry. In the last 10 games, he's had 629 yards, and he's averaged 3.7 per carry, including this year over the, over the first two games, 2.7 yards per carry. He is a fucking mirage, and people chased him. Over because of his first five games, he very much is fucking Trent Richardson. Um, I think he's an embarrassment to the league, and anybody who drafted him, especially in redraft leagues and not keepers, is a legitimately idiotic person. Like I just don't get it. Like I like I I just don't understand why you would touch that guy. Uh, and you know, and ESPN touts him and everything, but at the end of the day, if you look at the stats they play it out like he is a fucking bust and he will continue to be a bust. As somebody who owns Todd Gurley, I resent that. But you're not but yeah, telling me. He's on my bench. Yeah, you're not telling me I'm wrong, though. No, he <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> All right. Who wants to take it next? What about, well, Bill, what about you, you spent so much time being negative? Who's your, uh, who's your stud of the week? Uh, well, I was cutting that out, but I like Philip Rivers this week, and I was down him last week, uh, mostly because historically he th- he just doesn't do as well without Keenan Allen in his lineup, and you know we'll see if he can continue the trend that he did this week. But he was flat out impressive. Um, and I was I, I was kind of in awe at how well he he did. Uh, this week, so he would be if you if you have a if you have a choice to make, I would say Star Philip Rivers. All right, I'll I'll take a stab here. So so my my fantasy goat and not greatest of all time, but man, Rob Gronkowski, what what's going on? You talk about people making bad decisions drafting Todd Gurley, myself among them. Anybody who picked Gronk, and you know what, he'll probably come back and light it up until he breaks his forearm for the seven hundredth time. Um, but people have to be kicking themselves with, with whatever garbage tight end they've been starting the first two weeks because that's that's pretty harsh. Um, in terms of my fantasy stud going forward, I hate to do it, but I'm going to talk about another another Patriot this week. It's always dicey starting a uh, running back with Bill Belichick, but if you got little Garrett Blunt, start him. I think they're going to ride him this week with that quarterback situation, um, try to get away from that pass rush in Houston by running the ball. So, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt would be my, my pick for this week. I think that's a great point. I mean, he could be a, like, 27-touch guy on Thursday. I'm going to go with a pair of running backs here. I'll start off positive. Um, I love D'Angelo Williams this week going up against a Philadelphia uh, defense that really hasn't seen anything like Pittsburgh's attack. Uh, he knows that this is his last shot at being the bell cow back for a while. And I think he's going to take full advantage of it. I think he's going to get a lot of carries. And he's a guy that I love this week. Oh, uh, man, Levy and Bill and I are going to get high together next weekend. 
<laughs> that's 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 interesting. And what about Legarrette Blunt? He, you, he, puts he it you just talked him up. Are you gonna you gonna give him a celebratory puff after Thursday when he when he comes up big? Yeah, sure. After he delivers on my uh, bold prediction, why not? Um, and then for my uh, for my for my sit of the week, I'm actually going to a guy who's had a pretty solid first couple weeks on, and uh, that's C.J. Anderson. I think it's a tough matchup going up against the, on the road against a Bengals defense that has a lot of talent. Um, I think they can really key in on stacking the box, daring Trevor Simeon to beat them with his arm, and I think they can limit what C.J. Anderson does on Sunday. At I am. All right, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a, as a guest, I think it's fun to be a total homer here. Um I, I'm going to go with, and, and you guys might beat the hell out of me on this one, but I'm going to say I'm a little bit negative this week on Larry Fitzgerald because I think that Stefan Gilmore and Ronald Darby played the worst game of their lives in prime time. I think that they were laughed out of the room pretty much, and I think that both of those guys are very good cornerbacks. I think that Fitz will draw a lot of Darby, and I think the kid is going to be allowed to play a lot of press man, finally. Um, and I think that he'll actually acquit himself pretty nicely, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm down on Larry for that reason. Um, I am incredibly high, about as high as you could possibly be this week, on, on Julio Jones against the, the Saints. I think the Saints, they played, uh, they played a garbage, you know, Everybody plays defense randomly game against the Giants last week, you know, kind of ruined all of our, all of our, our hey, Eli's going to throw for 400 yards kind of thing, uh, assumptions that I had for fantasy, at least. Um, I don't think that lasts. I think that, that they air it out, both teams. I think, you know, he's, he's got the guy with the best passer reading in the country throwing to him, and I think that he goes off. Um, so very, very high on Julio this week. All right. Sounds good. I don't necessarily agree with you, but, you know, whatever. Um, all right, so then we got another segment, uh, Unconventional Survivor Picks, and that is going to be you're going to pick a team straight up, favored by no more than three points or as an underdog, uh, just to make it interesting so you're not picking, you know, New England versus the Bills or something, like at, in Foxborough. Um, yep. So, but no, so just – Toss out your picks. No, no explanation or anything. Uh, Tim, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, Oakland over Tennessee. Sorry, I left it on ah. mute. You stole mine, Tim. All right, that's sorry, I'm not sorry. No, you, you know, I have that. I have that one too. Uh, Josh, what are you thinking? Give me San Diego over the Colts. Oh my God, that was my second one. Good Lord! All right, Adam, don't take my last one. Okay, uh, hold on. I'm reeling here. Oh, those Jesus were my, Christ, those you're were not my, even prepared. Those were my what first two. What are you, like two, a substitute I, or something? Well, I had I had Oakland, and then San Diego made, made a ton of sense to me. Okay, fine. So so in, in this case, I'm going to go with the Rams again over the Buccaneers. The oh, Rams that's real bold. Back. All right. And as I mentioned earlier in the segment, I'm going to take the Redskins over the Giants in an upset special. Anybody else? So we're all good with those picks. 
Yes. I mean, besides, yeah, besides you talking about the Redskins and the Giants, sure. Right, yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Nobody enjoys that. Uh, all right, well, then let's move on to our last segment where uh, we cover a little bit of betting action, a little bit of gambling. It might be illegal in most states, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about it. Um, and I got I got a couple of locks this week, uh, and we'll put more out on the Twitter handle at Bowling Podcast throughout the week. Uh, and I, I will preface this by saying, obviously, the lines move, but right now, looking at the lines, these are this is what we're looking at. Um, I love Oakland plus one and a half. Um, it opened at Oakland plus a hook. And it's moved to plus one and a half. I think that's ridiculous. Um, Tennessee has shown nothing to inspire confidence. Um, I know Oakland's going away to Tennessee, um, but quite honestly, I just I love Oakland. I love that team. I love that offense. I think they that they're going to roll. Um, I think they have a solid, balanced attack. Um, I think quite honestly, you can look for them to continue it against the Titans team that there's not, there's not really good. Uh, uh, the other one that I like is Philly plus three and a half. Um, they're at home. So they're a home dog. Give me a break. Come on. You, you gotta love home dogs, dude. This ain't about them winning outright. They're not going to, they're, oh, this is ridiculous. Okay. Can't wait oh, to rub your face on next week. Home that's fine. Argument. That's fine. You have the second best offense in DV, DVOA right now. Second best. Yeah, second you best played defense. the Browns and the Bears. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I don't but know you, what DVOA you, is, guys. But you play who you play. So I'm saying. Yeah, now you're playing Pittsburgh. Give them, give them three and a half <laughs> at home. I like those odds, dude. I like them. I think they're going to lose by three. But, that bet but shot by the end of the first quarter. Mark my yeah. words. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I love three and a half at home when I lose by two touchdowns. Okay. Well, I think I think you should say fuck these guys. You should put any savings you have for any off, potential <laughs> offspring's college education and lay it on this game and just <laughs> shove it right in their faces. All right. After giving Bill a ton of shit for being a homer, I'm gonna go on record as being a homer myself. I think the Ravens win outright in Jacksonville, and they're currently given a point. I like that all day. Anybody else with any picks? These are all going to be posted publicly, so you have to be you have to be accountable. And I'm, right, I'm going just... to follow up. I'm going to follow up on my unconventional uh, survivor pick of the week. San Diego is getting three points on the road against Indy. I like them to win outright too. You heard it here first. I just want to comment. Uh on Seattle getting like nine and a half points right now. They scored one touchdown all year. How can they be favored by more than a touchdown against anybody, even San Francisco? Because San Francisco is terrible. I agree with you, though, that that is a terrible line. But I'm looking at it right now. It started at 11. Now it's down to nine and a half. So I think people are are within like your mindset that Seattle doesn't deserve that. I feel like that's a pretty. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty solid rule that you can't be favored by more points than you've scored in a single game. Uh, no, I mean I totally agree. I mean Seattle, I think, is horrifically overrated as a as, just as a team in general. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I agree. The fact that they're getting more than a touchdown, even even at home, is legitimately preposterous. Anybody else have any uh, have any betting or gambling locks that they want to discuss, or we can wrap up? No, nothing's a lock. Nothing's a lock for me. Too too much sadness. I'll I'll, I'll be happier someday. All right. Well, good. Well, listen. Adam, we we thank you for stepping in for Nick uh, on such short notice. Uh, you know, we hope Nick had a great birthday with his with his girlfriend. No, uh, we don't. Clearly, he doesn't give a shit about this podcast. Um, but we welcome him Priorities. back. We welcome him back in open arms next week. Uh, so thank you to to Adam. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to Josh. Uh, thank welcome. you to myself. Uh, this is our first one. It was a little it's rough. It's really our second one, but the first one just sucked too much to put on the it's air. It's fine, dude. Like the, this one, <laughs> the, this one's gonna be rough too. Uh, probably like thirty minutes over what we what we wanted, but you know, that's how it goes. We're we're living and learning, just like all of you. Uh, good luck next week with your picks, uh, and with your fantasy plays, and with your individual teams, unless. You're a Patriots fan, which in that case, you can go fuck Fuck yourself. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Have a good week, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye. Ball out.